Act Two of The Good-Natured Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Good-Natured Man by Oliver Goldsmith. Act Two. Scene: Croker's House. Miss Richland, Garnet. Olivia, not his sister. Olivia, not Leontine's sister. You amaze me. No more his sister than I am. I heard it all from his own servant. I can get anything from that quarter. But how? Tell me again, Garnet. Why, madam, as I told you before, instead of going to Lyons to bring home his sister, who has been there with her aunt these ten years, he never went further than Paris. There he saw and fell in love with this young lady, by the by of a prodigious family. And brought her home to my guardian as his daughter? Yes, and daughter she will be. If you don't consent to their marriage, they talk of trying what a Scotch parson can do. Well, I only have deceived me. And so demurely as Olivia carried it, too. Would you believe it, Garnet? I told her all my secrets, and yet the slight cheat concealed all this from me. And upon my word, madam, I don't much blame her. She was loth to trust one with her secrets that was so very bad as keeping her own. But, to add to their conceits, the young gentleman, it seems, pretends to make me serious proposals. My guardian and he are to be here presently, to open the affair in form. You know I am to lose half my fortune if I refuse him. Yet, what can you do, for being, as you are, in love with Mr. Honeywood, madam? How? Idiot, what do you mean, in love with Mr. Honeywood? Is this to provoke me? That is, madam, in friendship with him. I meant nothing more than friendship, as I hope to be married. Nothing more. Well, no more of this. As to my guardian and his son, they shall find me prepared to receive them. I am resolved to accept their proposal with seeming pleasure, to mortify them by compliance, and to throw the refusal at last upon them. Delicious! And that will secure your whole fortune to yourself. Well, who could have thought so innocent a face could cover so much cuteness? Why, girl, you only oppose my prudence to their cunning, and practice a lesson they have taught me against themselves. Then you're likely not long to want employment, for here they come, and in close conference. Enter Croker and Leontine. Excuse me, sir, if I seem to hesitate upon the point of putting to the lady so important a question. Lord, good sir. Moderate your fears. You are so plaguey shy that one would think you have changed sexes. I tell you, we must have the half or the whole. Come, let me see with what spirit you begin. Well, why don't you? Ah, uh, what? Well then, I must. It seems, Miss Richland, my dear, I believe you guess at our business, an affair which my son here comes to open. That nearly concerns your happiness, sir. I should be ungrateful not to be pleased with anything that comes recommended by you. To Leontine. How, boy, could you desire a finer opening? Why don't you begin? I say. Tis true, madam. My my father, madam, has has some intentions <clears throat> of explaining an affair which him himself can best explain, madam. Yes, my dear. It comes entirely from my son, 
it is all a request of his own madam and i will permit him to make the best of it the whole affair is only this madam my father has a proposal to make which he insists none but himself shall deliver aside my mind misgives me the fellow will never be brought on in short madam you see before you one that loves you one whose whole happiness is all in you i never have any doubts of your regards sir and i hope you can have none of my duty that's not the thing my little sweetening my love no no another guess lover than i there he stands madam his very looks declare the force of his passion aside call up a look you dog but then had you seen him as i have weeping speaking soliloquies and blank verse sometimes melancholy and sometimes absent i fear sir he's absent now or such a declaration would have come most properly from himself himself madam he would die before he could make such a confession and if he had not a channel for his passion through me it would ere now have drowned his understanding i must grant sir these are attractions in modest diffidence upon the forced word a silent address is a genuine eloquence of sincerity madam he has forgot to speak any other language silence has become his mother tongue and it must be confessed sir it speaks too powerfully in his favour and yet i shall be thought too forward to make such a confession shan't i mr leontine aside confusion my reserve will undo me but if modesty attracts her impudence may disgust her i'll try don't imagine from my silence madam that i want a due sense of the honour and happiness intended me my father madam tells me your humble servant is not wholly indifferent to you he admires you i adore you and when we come together upon my soul i believe we shall be the happiest couple in all st james if i could flatter myself these thoughts as you speak sir doubt my sincerity madam by your dear self i swear ask the brave if they desire glory ask cowards if they covet safety well well no more questions about it ask the sick if they long for health ask misers if they love money ask ask a fool if he can talk nonsense what's come over the boy what signifies asking when there is not a soul to give you an answer if you would ask to the purpose ask this lady's consent to make you happy why indeed sir his uncommon ardour almost compels me forces me to comply and yet i'm afraid he'll despise a conquest against with too much ease won't you mr leontine aside confusion oh by no means madam by no means and yet madam you talk to force there is nothing i would avoid so much as compulsion in a thing of this kind no madam i will still be generous and leave you at liberty to refuse but i tell you sir the lady is not at liberty it's a match you see she says nothing silence gives consent but sir she talked of force consider sir the cruelty of constraining her inclinations but i say there is no cruelty don't you know blockhead that girls have always a roundabout way of saying yes before company so get you both gone together into the next room 
and hang him that interrupts the tender explanation get you gone i say i'll not hear a word but sir i must beg leave to insist get off you puppy or i will beg leave to insist upon knocking you down stupid wealth but i don't wonder the boy takes entirely after his mother exeunt miss richland and leontine enter mrs croker mr croker i bring you something my dear that i believe will make you smile i'll hold you a guinea of that my dear a letter and as i knew the hand i ventured to open it and how can you expect your breaking open my letters should give me pleasure pooh it's from your sister at lyons and contains good news read it what a frenchified cover is here that sister of mine has some good qualities but i could never teach her to fold a letter fold a fiddlestick read what it contains croker reading dear nick an english gentleman of large fortune has for some time made private though honourable proposals to your daughter olivia they love each other tenderly and i find she has consented without letting any of the family know to crown his addresses as such good offers don't come every day your own good sense his large fortune and family considerations will induce you to forgive her yours ever rachel croker my daughter olivia privately contracted to a man of large fortune this is good news indeed my heart never foretold me of this and yet how slyly the little baggage has carried it since she came home not a word on it to the old ones for the world yet i thought i saw something she wanted to conceal well if they have concealed their amour they shan't conceal their wedding that shall be public i am resolved i tell thee woman the wedding is the most foolish part of the ceremony i can never get this woman to think of the most serious part of the nuptial engagement what would you have me think of their funeral but come tell me my dear don't you owe more to me than you care to confess would you have ever been known to mr lofty who has undertaken miss richland's claim at the treasury but for me who was it first made him an acquaintance at lady chaberoon's rout who got him to promise us his interest is not he a backstairs favourite one that can do what he pleases with those that do what they please is not he an acquaintance that all your groaning and lamentation could never have got us he is a man of importance i grant you and yet what amazes me is that while he is giving away places to all the world he can't get one for himself that perhaps may be owing to his nicety great men are not easily satisfied enter french servant an express from monsieur lofty he will be wait upon your honours instantment he be only giving four five instruction read two three memorial call upon von ambassadeur he will be with you in one three minutes you see now my dear what an extensive department well friend let your master know that we are extremely honoured by this honour was there anything ever in a higher style of breeding all messages among the great are now done by express exit 
French servant. To be sure, no man does little things with more solemnity or claims more respect than he, but he is in the right on it. In our bad world, respect is given where respect is claimed. Never mind the world, my dear. You were never in a pleasanter place in your life. Let us now think of receiving him with proper respect. A loud rapping at the door. And there he is, by the thundering rap. Hi, verily, there he is, as close upon the heels of his own express as an endorsement upon the back of a bill. Well, I will leave you to receive him, whilst I go to chide my little Olivia for intending to steal a marriage without mine or her hand's consent. I must seem to be angry, or she too may begin to despise my authority. Exit. Enter Lofty, speaking to his servant. And if the Venetian ambassador or that teasing creature the Marquis shall call, I'm not at home. Damn me, I'll be pack-horse to none of them. My dear madam, I, I have just snatched a moment, and uh, if the expresses to his grace be ready, let them be sent off. They're of importance. Uh, madam, I ask ten thousand pardons. Sir, this honour. And, Duberdieu, if the person calls about the commission, let him know that it is made out. As for Lord Cumbercourt's stale request, it can keep cold, you understand me. Madam, I ask ten thousand pardons. Sir, this honour. And, Dubardieu, if the man comes from the Cornish borough, you must do him, you must do him, I say. Madam, I ask ten thousand pardons. And, if the Russian ambassador calls, but he will scarce call to-day, I believe. And now, madam, I have just got time to express my happiness in having the honour of being permitted to profess myself your most obedient, humble servant. Sir, the happiness and honour are all mine, and yet I am only robbing the public while I detain you. Sink the public, madam, when the fair are to be attended. Ah, could all my hours be so charmingly devoted! Sincerely, don't you pity us poor creatures in affairs? <sighs> Thus it is eternally, solicited for places here, teased for pensions there, <laughs> and courted everywhere. <laughs> I know you pity me. Yes, I see you do. Excuse me, sir. Toils of empire's pleasures are, as Waller says. Waller, Waller, is he of the house? The modern poet of that name, sir. Oh! a modern we men of business despise the moderns and as for the ancients we have no time to read them poetry is a pretty thing enough for our wives and daughters but not for us why now here i stand that know nothing of books i say madam i know nothing of books and yet i believe upon a land carriage fishery a stamp act or a jag hire i can talk my two hours without feeling the want of them the world is no stranger to mr lofty's eminence in every capacity i vow to gad madam you make me blush i'm nothing nothing 
nothing in the world a mere obscure gentleman to be sure indeed one or two of the present ministers are pleased to represent me as a formidable man i know they are pleased to bespatter me at all their little dirty levies uh, yet upon my soul i wonder what they see in me to treat me so measures not men have always been my mark and i vow by all that's honourable my resentment has never done the men as mere men any manner of harm that is as mere men what importance and yet what modesty oh if you talk of modesty madam there i own i'm accessible to praise modesty is my foible it was so the duke of brentford used to say to me i love jack lofty he used to say no man has a finer knowledge of things quite a man of information and when he speaks upon his legs by the lord he's prodigious he scouts them and yet all men have their faults too much modesty is his says his grace and yet i dare say you don't want assurance when you come to solicit for your friends oh there indeed i am in bronze apropos i have just been mentioning miss richland's case to a certain personage we must name no names when i ask i'm not to be put off madam no no i take my friend by the button a fine girl sir great justice in her case a friend of mine borough interest business must be done mr secretary i say mr secretary her business must be done sir that's my way madam bless me you said all this to the secretary of state did you i did not say the secretary did i well curse it since you have found me out i will not deny it it was to the secretary this was going to the fountain-head at once not applying to the understrappers as mr honeywood would have had us honeywood he 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 was indeed a fine solicitor i suppose you have heard what has just happened to him poor dear man no accident i hope undone madam that's all his creditors have taken him into custody a prisoner in his own house a prisoner in his own house how at this very time i'm quite unhappy for him why so am i the man to be sure was immensely good-natured uh, but then i could never find that he had anything in him his manner to be sure was excessively harmless some indeed thought it a little dull for my part i always concealed my opinion it cannot be concealed madam the man was dull dull as the last new comedy a poor impracticable creature i tried once or twice to know if he was fit for business but 
he had scarce talents to be groom-porter to an orange-barrow <laughs> how differently does miss richland think of him for i believe with all his faults she loves him loves him does she you should cure her of that by all means let me see what if she were sent to him this instant in his present doleful situation my life for it that works her cure distress is a perfect antidote to love suppose we join her in the next room miss richland is a fine girl has a fine fortune and must not be thrown away upon my honour madam i have a regard for miss richland and rather than she should be thrown away i should think it no indignity to marry her myself exeunt enter olivia and leontine and yet trust me olivia i had every reason to expect miss richland's refusal as I did everything in my power to deserve it. Her indelicacy surprises me. Surely, Auntine, there's nothing so indelicate in being sensible of your merit. If so, I fear I shall be the most guilty thing alive. But you mistake, my dear. The same attention I used to advance my merit with you, I practiced to lessen it with her. What more could I do? Let us now rather consider what is to be done. We have both dissembled too long. I have always been ashamed. I am now quite weary of it. Sure, I could never have undergone so much for any other but you. And you shall find my gratitude equal to your kindest compliance. Though our friends should totally forsake us, Olivia, we can draw upon content for the deficiencies of fortune. Then why should we defer our scheme of humble happiness, when it is now in our power? I may be the favorite of your father, it is true. But can it ever be thought that his present kindness to a supposed child will continue to a known deceiver? I have many reasons to believe it will. As attachments are but few, they are lasting. His own marriage was a private one, as ours may be. Besides, I have sounded him already at a distance, and find all his answers exactly to our wish. Nay, by an expression or two that dropped from him, I am induced to think that he knows of this affair. Indeed, but that would be a happiness too great to be expected. However it be, I am certain you have power over him and I am persuaded, if you informed him of our situation, that he would be disposed to pardon it. You had equal expectations, Leontine, from your last scheme with Miss Richland, which you find has succeeded most wretchedly. And that's the best reason for trying another. If it must be so, I submit. As we could wish, he comes this way. Now, my dearest Olivia, be resolute. I'll just retire within hearing, to come in at a proper time, either to share your danger or confirm your victory. Exit. Enter Croker. Yes, I must forgive her, and yet not too easily, neither. It will be proper to keep up to the decorums of resentment a little, if it be only to impress her with an idea of my authority. How I tremble to approach him! Might I presume, sir, if I interrupt you? No, child. Where I have an affection, it is not a little thing that can interrupt me affection gets over little things sir you're too kind i'm sensible how ill i deserve this partiality yet heaven knows there is nothing i would not do to gain it and you have but too well succeeded you little hussy you with those endearing ways of yours on my conscience 
i could be brought to forgive anything unless it is a very great offence indeed but mine is such an offence when you know my guilt yes you shall know it though i feel the greatest pain in the confession why then if it be so very great a pain you may spare yourself the trouble for i know every syllable of the matter before you begin indeed that i'm undone ay miss you wanted to steal a match without letting me know it did you but i am not worth being consulted i suppose when there is to be a marriage in my own family now i am nobody i am to be a mere article of family lumber a piece of cracked china to be stuck up in a corner dear sir nothing but the dread of your authority could induce us to conceal it from you no no my consequence is no more i am as little-minded as a dead russian in winter just stuck up with a pipe in its mouth till there comes a thaw aside it goes to my heart to vex her i was prepared sir for your anger and despaired of pardon even while i presumed to ask it but your severity shall never abate my affection as my punishment is but justice and yet you should not despair neither livy we ought to hope all for the best and do you permit me to hope sir can i ever expect to be forgiven but hope has too long deceived me why then child it shan't deceive you now for i forgive you this very moment i forgive you all and now you are indeed my daughter oh transport this kindness overpowers me i was always against severity to our children we have been young and giddy ourselves and we can't expect boys and girls to be old before their time what generosity but can you forget the many falsehoods the dissimulation you did indeed dissemble you urchin but that's the girl that won't dissemble for a husband my wife and i had never been married if we had not dissembled a little beforehand it shall be my future care never to put such generosity to a second trial and as for the partner of my offence and folly from his native honour and the just sense he has of his duty i can answer for him that enter leontine permit him thus to answer for himself kneeling thus sir let me speak my gratitude for this unmerited forgiveness yes sir this even exceeds all your former tenderness i now can boast the most indulgent of fathers the life he gave compared to this was but a trifling blessing and good sir who sent for you with that fine tragedy face and flourishing manner i don't know what we have to do with your gratitude upon this occasion how sir is it possible to be silent when so much obliged would you refuse me the pleasure of being grateful of adding my thanks to my olivia's of sharing in the transports that you have thus occasioned lord sir we can be happy enough without you coming in to make up the party i don't know what's the matter with the boy all this day he has got into such a rhodomontad manner all this morning but sir i that have so large a part in the benefit is it not my duty to show my joy is the being admitted to your favour so slight an obligation is the happiness of marrying my olivia so small a blessing marrying olivia marrying olivia marrying his own sister sure the boy is out of his senses his own sister my sister aside sister how have i been mistaken aside ah some cursed mistake in all this i find what does the booby mean or has he any meaning here yeah, what do you mean 
you blockhead you mean sir why uh, sir uh only when my sister is to be married that i have the pleasure of marrying her sir that is of giving her away sir i have made a point of it oh is that all give her away you have made a point of it then you had as good make a point of first giving away yourself as i am going to prepare the writings between you and miss richland this very minute what a fuss is here about nothing why what's the matter now i thought i had made you at least as happy as you could wish oh yes sir very happy do you foresee anything child you look as if you did i think if anything was to be foreseen i have as sharp a lookout as another and yet i foresee nothing exit what can it mean he knows something and yet for my life i can't tell what it can't be the connection between us i'm pretty certain whatever it is my dearest i am resolved to put it out of fortune's power to repeat our mortification i'll haste and prepare for our journey to scotland this very evening my friend honeywood has promised me his advice and assistance i'll go to him and repose our distresses on his friendly bosom and i know so much of his honest heart that if he can't relieve our uneasiness he will at least share them Exeunt. End of Act Two.